Gaza is sitting there listening instead of singing. I, I end up talking all the time. <laughs> so I was sitting there listening a little bit. And it, it just struck me again how, how we all have a place in this. You know, we've got, like, Janet's the only one playing, but if Janet's just sitting there playing, it sounds pretty empty in here. And so we all have, we all have parts, and we all have parcel of this work of ministry that goes on in any church at any given time. And so I just want to, yeah, praise God that, that there's no voice that's not necessary. So, uh, our sermon today is from Luke 4, verses 31 through 44. If you please rise in honor of God's word. Luke 4, 31 through 44. You're looking at authority. And I read in Jesus' name. And he, that is Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What would you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he left, he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those, who had, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study your word, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for recording this on our behalf. Guide us now as we look at the life and the actions of Jesus. Lord, that we might learn and that we too might become like Jesus. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So in, in the Greek, there's, there's two words for authority. Uh, one of those words for authority is, is dunamai, and that's the one that we normally think of. Um, and when we're thinking about that, we think of like authority as in power, not just the right to do something, but the ability to do it. You know, because I, I don't know about you parents, but I know that I, as a parent, have the right and responsibility to train my children, but I don't always have the dunamai to train my children um, in that I actually have the 
power <laughs> to train my children. Um, you know, that's actually where we get the idea of dynamite. It's something that, that's powerful. They have that right. This word for authority is actually different, and I'm, I'm forgetting what it is right now. I apologize. I should have had it written down. Um, but this word for authority means that which changes things. And so when Jesus has this authority, his word changes things. So this authority of Jesus, when he speaks, the world changes. You know, that's, that's amazing to think about. The word of Christ isn't just something that has the right to change things because Jesus has that right. He's the one that made all of these things. He's the one that understands what they are and what they ought to be. He knows the ought. He knows the should. You know, what should our world look like? Jesus knows that, and so he has that right. But that's not what Luke is getting at. Luke is getting at the fact that when Jesus speaks, the world changes around him. Things shift. Demons are cast out. Sick people are healed. The world changes. And you know, this is incredible and this is important because we live in a world nowadays that believes that there's so many things in our world that are immutable. You know, like your story, your history, your past, who you are. We were talking about this on Friday night. You know, that it's, it doesn't change. I am who I am because of my past. I actually just listened to a sermon um, from Timothy Keller that... Uh, Doug sent me yesterday. I didn't have time to listen to it yesterday, so I listened to it this morning. You know, and he was quoting Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter? When he's um, the, silent, the guy from Silence of the Lambs. But uh, yeah, that's Hannibal Lecter. I've never watched that movie. I, I don't have any desire to at all. Um, but, you know, who are you to reduce me to a set of experiences? You know, that's the world we live in. Like, I am who I am because of the stuff that happened in my past. And it's like, no, that's not actually who we are. Christ has the power. Christ has the ability. Christ can change us. He has the authority to do that. So when he speaks into our lives, our lives can change. Because he can redeem. He can buy back. Those bad experiences I've had in the past, Christ can change the past. So those bad things that happened to me in the past can have positive effects now. So Christ can change the past. Kirsten and I were talking about this last night. Oh, I've often made the joke that, you know, she's the first girl that ever said yes to me, you know, when I asked her out. And so I figured, well, I should probably marry her. I don't, probably don't have another one. Um, this is my shot. Thankfully, God, yeah, whatever. But there's more than one way to think about that. Because I asked other girls out, and they all said no. What was that? Was that a curse or was that a blessing? Depends on how you see it. Felt like a curse at the time. Man, I'm such a loser, which it probably was. Um, <laughs> but it's also a blessing. So the power of Christ has the ability to change my past. I can look at those hardships and I can say, that was a blessing. Praise God for what I experienced as a hardship, but now I can look at as a redemption. This is what authority is. This is the authority of Jesus. And so as Jesus is going out into the synagogues and he's speaking, he's proclaiming the truth, he's preaching, his word has authority. There's two words in the Greek for the word that we translate word. 
One is rhema. That just means the stuff you speak. The other is logos. And that isn't just the words you speak, but it's everything that comes from you. And so it's the proper expression of that which is inside. And so the word of God became flesh. In John 1, what is that? It's not just the speech of God became flesh. It's the expression of that which was inside of God became flesh. I was teasing Abby and Colton about this last night at premarital counseling. You know, that we have this amazing ability as human beings to transfer thoughts into sounds. It's called speaking. We should practice it. (laughs) I can transfer thoughts into sounds. That's logos. That's what's going on inside of me is coming out. I know some people who just have rhema. You know, it's just words. Um, But this this is logos. This is all that Jesus is, is being expressed. And so that's not just his words, but it's his actions. It's his very presence. This is Christ being there. How he interacts with his people. What that looks like. His emotional state at that time. All of Christ changes this world. That's the authority of Christ. And so as we interact with Jesus, we're not just interacting with words, but we're actually interacting with words that are embodied, that the Holy Spirit takes and makes us experience. As I'm reading the Word of God, the Holy Spirit's taking those words and making them into an experience for me. Because it's not just things going into my mind, but it's things going into my soul. It's God changing me and through his word, through prayer, through interacting other people who are embodying Christ. Because you know, we are the body of Christ, right? What does that mean? We are the logos of Christ. We are the expression of that which is inside of him. That which is hidden now comes to light through us. Isn't that terrifying? It's also amazing. This is our calling. And so with that That's the authority of Jesus, not just spoken words, but everything that he embodies, everything that he is. And so that's his authority. Sorry, I didn't go in order, but I've never been very good at following rules, even the ones that I set. Terrifying. So this is what Jesus is doing. He's going out and he's preaching, and the world is astonished at his teaching because you know what? The world doesn't have that, do they? Does our world have the ability to change people? No. If our world had the ability to change people, we wouldn't have to live in cancel culture. If our world had the ability to change people, we could have open dialogue. We wouldn't have to worry about the freedom of speech, which we currently enjoy, being clamped down. We wouldn't have to worry about that because the world could actually change people. They can't change people. They can just silence them. Christ has the authority. Christ has the ability. Christ's word changes people. As we embody that, it changes. As we experience it, it changes us. As it changes us and then starts to live in us, it starts to change the world in which we live. And So how do we change the world in which we live? How do we change America? How do we change ourselves? It's by interacting with the word of God. It's by interacting with Christians by interacting with those who have been changed by the word of God and then interacting with those who need it. That we would be lights into this world. Because we live, we have a Christ that has redeemed us and who also wants to redeem the world. 
This isn't meant to just stay here. Yeah. No, this is, yeah, this is, this is the beginning of his ministry. This is what Jesus started out doing. Um, you know, this is, this is after his baptism by John, uh, because that, you know, we, we actually just covered that a couple weeks ago, but this is right there at the beginning of ministry. And so as Jesus, and it was a common thing for traveling rabbis, you know, that rabbis would, teachers would go out and they would travel and they would speak at synagogues and whatnot, and they would gathered disciples and the disciples would pay them and you know that's how these rabbis made money it was actually a fairly common thing to have traveling teachers and mobile schools hmm. but i'm not gonna get into that um sorry rabbit trail this is what happens at daylight savings time i don't get enough sleep and, uh, my brain rabbit trails but yeah that's so that's what jesus is doing he's not doing something that's uncommon but he's doing it in a way that's uncommon because rabbis are out teaching, but they don't have any power. So is it common to do it on Sunday? Is that supposed to be taken as a, a slam or whatever? Oh. At the beginning here? No, this is on the Sabbath day, so this is Saturday. And so we celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday because every Sunday is a, a little Easter. You know, we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord, and that's why we gather on Sunday. But this is on Saturday, and that's just when people would gather in the synagogues. And so it'd be like someone coming here and wanting to, to teach at Hosanna. You know, a known teacher ends up showing up at Hosanna. It's like, hey, you know, take the floor, take 15 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever. Um, and so that's because that's what they did. That was part of their worship was this teaching time. You know, they'd also have singing and whatnot too. So what Jesus is doing is, yeah, that's, it wasn't a slam. It's just that's where people are gathered. So that's where Jesus went. He went to the people. Any other questions? Good. Thanks, Kevin. Um, so secondly, what does this look like? What does it look like for Christ's word, for the logos of Christ to change the world? Well, the first step is he's got power over demons, evil spirits. And that we don't in, in America, in the West, we often don't interact directly with evil spirits, with demons, with possession, that sort of stuff. You know, we don't, I don't think I've ever interacted with someone that's, uh, I don't know. I, I can't say for certain that I've ever interacted with someone that's been actively possessed by an evil spirit. When I was in Uganda and um, Burundi, there were, that was going around and there were people who were actively casting out demons. When I was down in Haiti, there were people casting out demons, you know, and so that stuff was actively going around. But from, you know, that Kevin Spacey movie, Usual Suspects, the, the devil's best trick was convincing people that he didn't exist. You know, that's how the devil seems to interact in that level here in America. But nevertheless, as Jesus is out Speaking, there were, de there were demons, there were evil spirits that were actively possessing people. They indwelt them. They controlled them. And so as Jesus went, about, went around, he could command those evil spirits. And I want you to think real quick about evil spirits. We as human beings 
aren't powerful over them. As normal, sinful human beings, we don't have power over evil spirits. That's what all the religions of the world are tied around, trying to figure out how to appease or how to control evil spirits, how to control demons, how to appease the demons, how to get the demons to do things for them, how to get leverage on the evil spirits. And so that's why you have all of these pagan religions. That's what they're doing, offering you know, witchcraft here and there, offering these sacrifices here and there. They're trying to get power or get leverage or to get favors from the evil spirits. And they don't have power. But when Jesus comes, he doesn't get favors from the evil spirits. He tells them to leave. They don't bless him. He commands them out. So he's teaching a number of things here. One, don't mess with the evil spirits. They don't bless you. If you want to hear about this, I know Benny and I at one point talked about how some Christians within Romania were trying to control angels and demons. I think that was you that I was talking to about that. Maybe. Maybe it was someone else. Um, but they were trying to control these evil spirits. And it never blessed. It always cursed. It always brought curses upon everybody that ever touched. And so why did Jesus silence them? Why did he cast them out? Why didn't he allow them to bless him? It's because they're evil spirits. You don't get blessings from evil spirits. It doesn't work. And so Jesus has power over them. Kenny? Were these evil spirits visible when they were cast out then? You know, I don't know. It doesn't, we're not told. We're just told that they left. We don't know if they left in a visible manner or not. Um, I've, I've never directly interacted with that. And so... Well, we have the story when they leave. And if the house is not refilled with God's presence... They come back and find an empty house. And what happens? Take they seven. bring seven more. So, the, it's not that much about cleaning, but what you fill it with. It's true. Yeah. And so, as Benny said, it's not so much about cleaning the house, it's about what you fill it with. You know, because we do have that story. Visible or not visible, we don't know. But we need to be filled with Christ. Because as Christians then, as those who follow Christ, those evil spirits, as those filled with Christ, those evil spirits don't have power over us. And so as Christ comes, he manifests this power, this authority, commands evil spirits and they leave. We don't need them. They don't benefit us. We cast them out. We seek Christ because he benefits, he fills, he cleans he blesses. It's Christ. Christ is that which these people needed at every level. Not only just to cleanse them, but also then to fill them. Not only to fill them, but then also to bless them. It's Christ who does this. He also heals. Because, you know, sickness. Sickness is an aberration. We weren't created to get sick. You know, and so... The healing of people was a manifestation of the power of God in this world. That he could rebuke, this, rebuke the fever. Um, verse 38, near rose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever. And they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her, rebuked the fever. that left her. This is the power of Jesus. So what does this mean? 
Who do we seek for healing? Does this mean that we don't go to doctors? No, this doesn't mean that. But it means that who empowers the doctors? Who empowers the medicine? Who empowers the body? Who actually has control over these things? You know, can Jesus heal? So there's mediate and immediate. Mediate meaning there's a mediator, something coming in between. Can Jesus heal through a mediator? Can Jesus heal cancer through chemotherapy? Yes. Can Jesus heal a bacterial infection through penicillin? Yes. That's a mediator, something that God works through. Can God do that? God is so powerful that he can even use a donkey to speak to Balaam. Use a Norwegian to speak to. So, but that's the power of God. To be able to use a mediator. But can God also work immediately with no mediator? Can God just touch? Yeah, this is the authority of God. He can just speak. He rebuked it. He didn't lay hands on her. He just rebuked it. He said, be gone. And it was gone. And went. Does he always work like that? Are these things always manifest like that? Does the fact that it doesn't always happen. Does that mean that I don't have faith? Does that mean that you don't have faith? Does it mean that the Holy Spirit's not working? Does it mean that he's not moving? No. Because we're also told in the book of Hebrews that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given according to his will. Not according to our will. And so even when it comes to the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, when it comes to the gifts of God, when it comes to the working of God in that, we submit to the will of God. We trust God. We rely on God. Because I can't command the Holy Spirit. He's above me. I submit to him. If he wants to work through me, praise God. If he wants to work through you, praise God. If he wants to manifest, praise God. It's according to his will. And I, it always concerns me when I see people trying to manipulate God as if he's some angel or demon from some pagan religion. Like, we don't manipulate God. I can't say the right words and then get God to do what I want God to do. It's not the way it works. I don't just do the right actions or dance the right dance in order to get God to do what I want God to do. He's God and I'm not. And so I submit to God because the manifestations, the gifts of God are given according to his will. And so we ask and we pray. Believe it or not, um, I'll just tell you guys this. I've been praying, as I was reading through 1 Corinthians, and Paul talks about the various gifts, and he says, I wish that all of you would prophesy. And I was reading that, I was like, well, I should be praying that everybody at Hosanna would prophesy. All right, I'm going to start doing that. What does it mean? That you, that God would put his truth in you and that you would speak it out. That's what it means to prophesy. It doesn't mean to foretell the future. But it means that the word of God would indwell you and that you would speak it out. That the truth of God would come through you in speech and in action. And so I've been praying for that. Ah. <laughs> so I'm excited to see God doing that because I am seeing God doing that. I'm seeing that happen in prayer groups. I'm seeing that happen as people interact with each other. I'm seeing that happen as people rebuke me. And it's like, this is the word of God coming out of someone. Praise God. Because sometimes, believe it or not, I'm not always right. Can you believe that, Cheryl? That I'm not always, me! Now if it was Gene, it would be a totally different matter. 
<laughs> Never wrong. And so how do we interact with the gifts of the Spirit? We don't command it in some act of our will. This is the will of God. And so we submit to the will of God because we're humans. And if you know what? If God wants to manifest through healings, praise God. He does. Works immediately. If he wants to work immediately, sure. But we don't have the right to demand it. You know, healing is evil spirits. Hope we don't have to interact with those. But we do have power over those in Jesus' name, but not to bless just to leave. Any questions? I feel like I'm walking on landmines when I'm talking about spiritual gifts. Okay. Needs to spread. When it was day, he departed. I went to a desolate place and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. So what happened? So Jesus is acting as a circuit preacher. He's out, he's going around, he's preaching at various places and the people, not wanting him to leave, said, no, you, they, you, need, you need to stay here. You need to stay here because that's kind of how we are as Christians, right? I, I, I want to have, maybe not just as Christians, as human beings, we want to have control over this. We want to be the ones to enjoy this. I, I don't want this to leave. I want to keep it. I want to keep it Right here, I want to have it so that I have constant and steady access to it. And you know, that's great. We want to have access to the Word of God. But then do we, do we let it go out? Do we let it spread? You know, we want to keep it right here so that we can then just bring other people into our group. You know, I've talked about this a number of times. Our is our job to bring others into our church or is our job to bring our church out to other people? A little bit of both, right? You know, because sometimes people have needs that I can't meet and so then, you know, bring them to Kevin or bring them to Kirsten or bring them to Mark and Janet, you know, to bring them to Ken and Kathy. And this is where we gather. So we do that. But at the same time, I'm the embodiment of this church. We don't just keep Christ here so that we can simply enjoy the blessings that God has given us. Because we do enjoy the blessings that God has given us, but it can't stop at that level. We need to enjoy the blessings that God has given us, but it can't stop there. You know, and this is what we see happening. We see these Jews in their synagogue saying, hey, we've got this guy who's got this power. We don't want him to leave. We don't want Christ to leave either. So what do we do? We bring him everywhere we go. Not just bringing other people to him, but we bring him to other people. This would go out. You know, I was excited to hear about, um, while we were discussing in our Sunday school class, how, I'm not going to speak specifically, but how people are bringing Christ to other people, making offers. Here's what, here's what Jesus can do. You know, simple things like bringing food to when Bubble was born and, you know, helping fix cars. And, well, those not, I don't know, if you, if you can cook, then food is simple. But if you can't cook, food's not simple. <laughs> if you can do mechanic work, then mechanics is simple. If you can't, then it's not simple. You know, because we're, different, we're a body. We each have a place. We each have a voice. We're each necessary.
We all have abilities and we all have the opportunities to bring Christ into a world that needs Christ. And so then he is calling us not to just keep it here and not to just bring others into here, but then also to go out into a world because this needs to be sent. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well for I was set to this purpose. And so it's not just about building Hosanna. It's about building the kingdom of God. How do we interact with other Christians? How do we interact with non-Christians? Like other Christians, I really want you to think about this. How do we interact with people from other churches? We say, you know, you, you go to that loser, loser church, you should come to Hosanna. Like, I hope not. It might be true, but I hope not. No. You say, you know what? You go over there, may God bless you. How do we bless you? How do we build you up? Not so that you could come here, but so that you could be a better blessing there. Because, you know, wouldn't it be great if every church was solid? Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, that would be an ideal. That would be what would be great. I want every church, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. We want the Holy Spirit working in every single church. We want every church to have godly people that are willing to rebuke their pastor when he says something that he shouldn't or does something that he shouldn't. We want godly people to be encouraging the people around them, to be rebuking them as well. You know, admonition, we want that going on in every single congregation because that's what needs to be done. Because it's not just about Hosanna, it's about the kingdom of God and we want that manifest everywhere. Everywhere. Right? It's not just us. I have to go you know, Jesus went from synagogue to synagogue to synagogue proclaiming the word of God. And so if we have people come from other churches, what do we do? Bless them. We invest in them for the sake of the kingdom of God. Not just for the sake of Hosanna. Well, you know, we never get anything out of it. Well, it's not about us. Is it? Who's our Lord? I'm not my Lord. Jesus is. You're not your Lord. Jesus is. We live in a world that needs Jesus. So we don't say, you know what, you're not a member of Hosanna, go away. You're never going to become a member of Hosanna because you're not wise enough to be Lutheran, go away. No, I'm joking. Kind of. No, we say, God bless you. Build them up. Build them up so that the kingdom of God comes in their lives so that wherever they go that the kingdom of God might spring forth all the more because this is why Jesus was sent here. Both to churches and to pagans. Because pagans, they need, Christ- they need Jesus. They need to become Christians. Christians, they need to be encouraged in Christ. Wherever they are, wherever they go doesn't matter. That's what Jesus is doing. That's what we're called to do. Because you know what? He's our Lord. He loves us. He cares for us. And then as our Lord, as our Father, He says, this is what's best. Walk in my ways. Any questions? Okay. This was the beginning of His ministry. So, you haven't called his disciples yet, have you? I don't think so. 
Simon Peter then? What's the difference in Simon? Yeah, it was, yeah, this is Simon Peter. So Simon Peter was married. Um, there seems to be different, so he, yeah. So he already has a relationship with Simon. We don't know if by, I don't know if by this time, I'll have to, I'll look because if there are other people that have studied this much deeper than I have. Um, I don't know if at this time Peter had left his nets to follow Jesus. Because we know that he was following John and then you know, John said, here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then Peter he has a relationship with Jesus, interacts with Jesus at that point you know, with John. And this is after that. But we don't know. I, I don't know. I can't say we don't. I don't know right offhand if this is... Um, after Jesus or Simon has left his nets to follow Jesus, or I don't know exactly where that falls in. So I apologize. I don't have that memorized. Okay, so that's then. So the next chapter. That's the problem with these, isn't it? You should just put the whole Bible in here. No. But yeah. So if the next chapter, that's when Jesus calls Simon Peter. That means that that's when Peter leaves his nets to follow Jesus. And so here he has, he's teaching Simon and others, but there makes it specific and makes it complete. Thanks, Kenny. All right. If there's nothing else, let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. Lord, I ask that, that you would be at work in us, that we might embody the authority of Jesus, interacting with him letting his word dwell in us, interacting with it, Lord, and then bringing it into a world that needs it. Lord, that we would accept your love and your forgiveness and your grace, Lord, and your power into our lives. Lord, knowing that you have the ability to change us. Power over spirits and sickness. Lord, power over the things of this world. Reveal yourself in us and through us. Lord, as we bring your message into a world that desperately needs it, that's thirsty for it, but they don't know that that's actually what they're thirsty for. Lord, grant us these graces to prophesy, to speak forth your truth that you put in us out of love for you, out of love for others. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Our final hymn today.